Chapter Twenty of the Girls of Friendly Terrace by Harriet Loomis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty, An Eventful Picnic. For some time, Peggy had been waiting anxiously for warm weather. Not that Peggy had any quarrel with the winter months. Her vigorous constitution responded joyfully to the challenge of the cold. When the snow crunched under her elastic tread, and the air was full of frost crystals, and the wind whistled boisterously and played tricks with people's hats and umbrellas, then Peggy's eyes were brightest, and the blood in her veins raced most jubilantly. Peggy's reasons for being impatient for spring's return were not personal ones. They concerned the Dunn family. Various remarks let fall by Estelle, Isabel, and the others had indicated such incredible ignorance of the country that at first Peggy could not believe that it was not assumed. Gradually, however, she had reached the conclusion that these children, living within a few miles of grass-covered acres and groves of trees, knew as little of either as young Hottentots might be supposed to know of the North Pole. Along in February, Peggy's friends began to hear plans discussed for giving the Dunns a day's outing in the country as soon as spring should arrive in earnest. Little by little, they had all come to feel a personal interest in the affair. Indeed, Peggy's Dunns had gradually grown to be almost a neighborhood possession, and more than one household had their welfare at heart. When Peggy decided that the grass was green enough, the air balmy enough, and the orchard trees sufficiently like bridal bouquets to make it practicable to carry out her plan, she passed the word along the line, and in honor of the occasion, Amy fell to making fudge, and Priscilla bribed Susan to undertake a batch of doughnuts, which would go a long way toward satisfying the inner cravings of the picnic party. Elaine had not expected to share in the fun, but when she came home one Friday evening to announce that, owing to the presence of calciminers in the office, the next day would be a holiday, Peggy was inclined to regard the occurrence as an especial interposition of providence. And truth to tell, the sequel did not cause her to change her mind in that regard. It's perfect heaven to think that you can go with us, and now perhaps you can coax Grace into coming. It would do her any amount of good. But Grace, though the change in her from day to day was almost as marked as that taking place in the springtime world, drew the line at chaperoning the Dunn family for a day in the country. The rest of the girls went along, Peggy, Priscilla, Ruth, Amy, now restored to her customary cheerfulness, and Elaine, who, after the long hours and close confinement of office work, found the prospect of a day in the open unspeakably alluring. Each girl had a child in charge, for though Francesca could not leave the factory, Jimmy had succeeded in arranging his business affairs so as to take a day off, and the Dunn picnickers numbered five. They were an odd quintet as they climbed aboard the street-car, for though Peggy's Dunn's were the first ones thought of along the terrace, when outgrown clothing was to be given away, Mrs. Dunn seemed to have a genius for putting the half-worn suit on the boy it could not fit by any possibility, and for dividing up the girls' garments so that each should present as patched and piecemeal an appearance as possible. But, after all, the misfit coats and mismated skirts mattered very little, Peggy thought, since the faces of the company were beaming with anticipation. Peggy had selected a charming picnic ground on the edge of a small lake, lying in a cup-shaped hollow, with woods for a background, where spring flowers palpitatingly awaited discovery, and with farmhouses accessible where milk could be purchased, 
and other provisions for that matter if the contents of the lunch baskets gave out peggy however had no concern over this possibility for to all appearances the aforesaid baskets contained ample provisions for fifty the duns knew what to expect there was to be a lake and woods and wild flowers for miss peggy had said so but that the terms meant little to them was proved when estelle uttered an excited cry there's the lake the others joined in rapturously ain't it grand oh my peggy turned wonderingly lake why we're not nearly there oh you poor children for estelle's grimy forefinger was pointing triumphantly at a puddle in an adjacent field a pool perhaps ten feet across its surface ruffled by a cheerful little breeze well there's one comfort peggy thought they'll be wiser before they get home when the real lake came in view the duns were breathless with excitement they climbed down from the street-car on the edge of a green meadow and the children walked gingerly across the turf looking about them apprehensively as if on the lookout for the warning keep off the grass isabel who had fallen a little behind galloped up to peggy with a spring beauty in her hand miss peggy she was breathing hard but whether from her run or from excitement peggy did not know miss peggy can they put me in jail for that oh dear peggy cried an unaccountable lump appearing in her throat they won't put you in jail for picking all the flowers you can carry home can't i make you understand that everything here belongs to everybody it was a very wonderful picnic jimmy dunn had visited the city park and boasted a proud familiarity with trees and birds but the other children could not recover from their amazement at seeing trees that did not grow in rows out of squares obligingly left in cement sidewalks for that particular purpose while the unexpected discovery of a bluebird was as startling as the appearance of a blue rabbit would be to the majority of people i thought birds was brown drawled johnny dunn they's down round us maybe they get sooty suggested estelle wisely my wouldn't it be grand though if they get washed up and be flying round all red and yaller and every colour luncheon was served shortly after their arrival i don't know why it is peggy confessed but it always seems as if you couldn't get fairly started on a picnic till you'd had something to eat i feel that way myself and i guess these children are just the same only more so accordingly they sat in a ring in the fresh young grass and disposed of such quantities of sandwiches and doughnuts that the scientific estimate of the capacity of the human stomach was then and there proved incorrect beyond a shadow of a doubt peggy expected that the gorged duns would find a period of inactivity necessary but instead of stretching in somnolent attitudes under the trees when the moment arrived that they could hold no more they scattered in all directions as it seemed quite impossible that they should get into mischief or danger the girls left them to their own devices and sat talking happily while the breeze brought the coolness of the little lake and the fragrance of the apple orchards mingled with more delicate scents the perfume of the moist earth the breath of tiny flowers fading unseen perhaps but making earth the sweeter for their blooming i found some grand ones peggy looked up smilingly into estelle's radiant face then she got to her feet rapidly for the child's hands were filled with early garden flowers with several clusters of geraniums showing up dazzlingly among the more modest blossoms where did you get them peggy gasped over back at that house estelle gestured with her treasures in the direction of a snug-looking farmhouse standing on a rise of land above the lake 
Don't pick any more there, dear. I guess those flowers belong to the people who live in the house. But all the flowers in the woods and growing around the meadows belong to everybody. She made a grimace at the other girls over the head of the unconscious Estelle. I've got to go up to the farmhouse and explain matters. I'll go with you, said Elaine, jumping to her feet, and the two started up the long slope, Peggy sighing penitently. It was all my fault. I was so anxious those children shouldn't think they were going to be arrested if they picked a dandelion. I guess I went a little too far the other way. Who would have thought that they would have stumbled on a garden first thing? The farmer's wife, being indoors, had not noticed the rifling of her garden, but so far from displaying annoyance over Peggy's explanations, she was manifestly interested. "'I've heard tell,' she replied, "'that some of those city children set store by flowers to beat all. And she picked her hands full, didn't she? Didn't know the difference between wildflowers and garden stuff. Well, well.' But when Peggy, producing a not overfull pocket-book, made tentative offers to pay for the damage Estelle had wrought, the good woman's protest waxed indignant. "'Now I'd like to know what you take me for. Pay for em? I'd be ashamed to look my husband in the face when he came in, if I took your money.' She went to the window and looked with interest down the long slope, to the slight figures moving with such joyous abandon. "'All brothers and sisters, you say?' yes and there's two others not here a sister who is about fourteen and the baby we haven't chick nor child said the farmer's wife the shadow that crossed her kindly face as she stood watching the small flitting shapes had not lifted when peggy and elaine said good-bye at the door peggy had an idea and halted there isn't any boat that we could get around here is there i'd like to take those children out on the water if i could the farmer's wife came to the door why we've got an old dugout tied down under the willows it leaks a little but you'd have to load it with stone to sink it we keep it there cause it's handier if we want to go to mr miller's t'other side of the lake to row across than to go all way around tain't so easy rowing as it might be but you're welcome to it if you want it the ungainly craft tied under the sheltering willow trees did not look as if it would be so easy rowing but the girls undaunted took their seats each with a pair of oars and started bravely for the other shore the water slapping the square end of the dugout as if the two were in a plot to make progress slow and difficult the appearance of the boat was hailed with shrieks of delight by the dunn family who rushed to the water's edge to view its advance there's room enough for all of them at once if it wouldn't be too heavy peggy remarked oh i guess we can take them all returned elaine tugging at her oars they'll be satisfied if we keep it moving you know they're all waiting to welcome us peggy glanced at the row of motionless figures ranged along the shore as if held spellbound by the spectacle afforded by the stately craft and the toiling oarsmen then instinctively peggy began counting three four five where's number five it's one of the little girls that's missing estelle or isabel i can't tell them apart elaine's eyes travelled from the waiting row across a clump of trees reaching to the water's edge on to the cleared acres belonging to the miller farm then she uttered a startled exclamation peggy see that child will she know enough to let them alone what where wildly peggy's eyes followed those of her friend and at the sight which had prompted elaine's frightened question peggy rested on her oars staring blankly ahead Against the green of the hillside, rows of little white boxes stood out in bold relief. Among them wandered Isabel Dunn as Gulliver 
might have wended his way among the habitations of lilliput looking about her with a curiosity that betrayed no twinge of timidity beehives peggy gasped and i suppose she never heard of such a thing as a bee sting oh if she'd only look this way but isabel dunn was too absorbed in her own discovery to have any eyes for the pageant on the lake so attractive to the other members of her family she stood absorbed in front of one of the hives watching the busy occupants with an interest which owed part of its zest to the fact that here was something of which miss peggy had said nothing out in the country folks made houses for bugs to live in she wondered that miss peggy had failed to comment on such surprising philanthropy heedless of the line-up of the dunn family eagerly anticipating a row the girls turned the boat toward the absorbed student of nature apprehension put fresh energy into their stroke the dugout toiled ahead of what was really a surprising rate of speed the little duns disappointed joined in a howl of protest the sound reached isabel's ears and she turned inadvertently stumbling against a hive an instant later her knowledge of natural history was increased by a significant item in a fashion to impress it on her memory indelibly shrieking wildly isabel started down the slope the enraged bees in pursuit peggy and elaine had thought they were pulling their hardest but at the sight of the child's danger the dugout seemed fairly to leap ahead like a lazy horse pricked with a spur and roused to unwanted speed down the hill came isabel gaining momentum with every step driven to frenzy by the darts of her relentless pursuers whether the blue lake seemed a refuge or whether she would have rushed with equal blindness into flames it is impossible to say but it is certain when she reached the water's edge she kept on running with the result that in an instant she had splashed out of sight while the boat was still some distance away pull gasped peggy pull hard but she would have done better to save her breath for elaine her lips parted showing her clenched teeth was putting into each stroke every ounce of energy at her disposal in an appallingly short time a tow-colored head came to the surface of the water and again disappeared a little harder on the right oar warned elaine again she set her teeth and pulled again the mop of drenched hair showed on the surface of the water and went under the girls watched to see it come in sight again but it did not reappear she's not coming up elaine rose in the boat kicking off her low shoes and unfastening her heavy walking skirt then she went over the side with the ease and celerity of the practised swimmer peggy who had not added swimming to her many accomplishments and had watched for isabel's reappearance in an agony of helplessness felt hope revive elaine seemed so sure of herself that it was impossible not to share in her confidence the little group on the shore had discovered what was happening the children ran about crying shrilly above the sound of their frightened voices rose amy's lamentations as she wailed oh why didn't i watch her oh why didn't i watch her not that peggy spared time just then to interpret the medley of sounds beating upon her ears she saw nothing but the placid water heard nothing but the sound of the little ripples breaking against the boat's side elaine came to the surface after some seemingly interminable seconds spluttered filled her lungs and went under again peggy white and shaking sat crouched in her seat oh those crawling seconds that terrible waiting the ghastly uncertainty she felt the scented breeze in her face and dimly realized that overhead the sky was blue a snatch of bird-song dropping to her ears made her suspense seem unreal it could not be that this dreadful thing was happening 
while all the world around was unchanged peggy came out of her trance when elaine's dripping head cleaved the blue water this time elaine did not come alone her left hand was supporting a limp little figure whose hair floated on the surface of the water like yellow seaweed half a dozen strokes brought peggy alongside the pair leaning over she took elaine's burden from her the head that swayed like a broken flower the open unseeing eyes the colorless face seemed to her inexperienced proof that the worst had happened she sat like one stunned while elaine gripped the dugout and pulled her dripping self over the side quick peggy elaine's teeth were chattering for though the sun was bright the water of the little lake still retained a coolness suggestive of melting snow quick we must get her to the house as soon as we can and get to work the suggestion that something still could be done put new life into peggy it is quite certain that the clumsy dugout made record time in reaching the landing the farmer's wife was waiting for them there and she took the unconscious child in her motherly arms and almost ran up the slope while the girls followed elaine walking with difficulty in her wet clothing peggy weak from fear fortunately for them all the suspense was nearly over for the farmer's wife had hardly begun her work of resuscitation when a soft little sigh escaped from the child's blue lips a minute after she opened her eyes apparently it was too great an effort to be prolonged for immediately she closed them again but the flutter of the lids was enough to render peggy limp with relief and thankfulness there there have a good cry if you feel like it exclaimed the farmer's wife bustling about there ain't nothin like a good cry if anybody's been all keyed up i'll get some hot milk down her and she'll be all right but your friend had better be getting out of her wet things or she'll be coming down with something tain't too late yet for pneumonia it was a good thing for peggy to divert her mind with anxiety about elaine who having been duly rubbed and given something hot to drink was ordered to bed while her clothing dried by the kitchen fire by this time isabel was sufficiently revived so that the other children could be admitted to admire her appearance as she lay between blankets smelling strongly of the ammonia which the farmer's wife had applied to the bee stings there was a gleam of envy in estelle's eyes as she gazed upon her sister it was not fair that isabel should have everything first be stung by bees and then nearly drowned it would have been more generous of her to have divided those claims to distinction with some equally deserving member of the family seems like a shame to disturb that child by trying to take her home to-day said the farmer's wife why don't you leave her with me over sunday by that time she wouldn't get any harm from going out i don't know as she would be willing to stay peggy replied but when the case was laid before isabel she indicated the greatest satisfaction with her present surroundings isabel was not accustomed to being a person of importance she liked the sensation as she liked the softness of the bed on which she lay and the brightness and neatness of the pleasant little room of course it would be a great deal better for her to stay do you think your mother would mind jimmy asked peggy reflecting that the responsibility of taking a party of children to the country for a day was greater than she could have imagined jimmy's attitude was reassuring ma well she'd be glad to get rid of her over sunday he declared pa hates so many underfoot on sundays it was accordingly arranged that the farmer's wife should bring isabel home monday morning provided isabel's condition warranted it otherwise she was to communicate with peggy who assumed the responsibility of conveying the information to mrs dunn the picnic was resumed awaiting the drying of elaine's clothing but it is safe to say that no one of the dunn family had the opportunity again that day to get into mischief each girl made herself responsible for a child 
and watched it with a hawk's alertness though not with a hawk's motive we've let them steal flowers and get stung by bees and then pretty nearly drowned amy remarked and for one day that's enough a sentiment received without any dissenting voice but in spite of the drawbacks of the day and the fact that isabel was left behind the small duns were enthusiastic over the picnic be you going to take us again some day miss peggy little johnny asked as he hugged his armful of flowers closer and smiled at her over the heads of the blossoms i don't know peggy answered with a gasp i'll have to wait to get thoroughly over this before i'll be able to make up my mind end of chapter twenty